Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Community Connections Podcast. I'm your host, Cole Warner, and I'm joined by my co-host, Emily Thomas. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for listening. And today we have two guests on with us today. We have Megan Owens. She is the uh, case manager, registered nurse in our facilities. And we have Tiffany Parrish, who is a certified nursing assistant. She also works in our facilities. Welcome, both of you. Hey, thanks for having us. Thanks. So we wanted to put together a topic today that we felt like um, could be useful, especially uh, for those of you that don't have any hospice experience or maybe don't have any help in the home, but are a caregiver for um, someone who needs assistance with their daily living or uh, are maybe elderly and starting to have Uh, more difficulty uh, doing stuff around the house and getting around. So what we thought we would do today is have two people that have lots of experience with helping our specific patients and their families navigate some of these challenges. But um, these are really uh, transferable to any sort of situation in which you're dealing with this. So uh, I guess I'll throw it off to you two first. Sort of, um, I know... I kind of wanted to start with just getting around the house, right? Um, Sometimes that can be very difficult. And especially in the aging process, that's, it's a hard thing to like losing your independence as some people call it. Um, That's a hard thing for people to get um, their head around and, and sort of accept, right? Because that's difficult. We like to be independent. We like to do things ourselves. So what are some of the things that you see uh, in the home as issues that people sort of come up with as they're losing that ability to move around and do things for themselves? So one of the main things that I have um, seen is people like to have throw rugs on their floors, um, which is a high risk for falls. Um, even somebody who has steady gait and can walk around just fine um, can trip over a throw rug really easily. Um, so I always suggest, you know, be careful with that. Any clutter that you may have in the home, anything that's sitting around on the floors can cause a, a higher risk for falls, tripping. As far as just, you know, getting around your home, if you have trouble walking or unsteady gait, there's always rolling walkers that you can use um, to help steady that gait or a cane just to provide a little bit more stability for you. And also making sure you have on the right uh, shoes. If you're unable to wear shoes, the non the socks that have the groupies on it is um, very wise to put on for slick floors. I think all of those are great. And I see a lot of the homes I go into that people have to rearrange their furniture or like you said, move the rugs, stuff that you normally don't think about, but that can really interfere with getting from one place to another. Um, That kind of leads into the next thing we can talk about, which is oxygen. I know a lot of people, uh, the tubing can get in the way. So if you want to talk about other safety things that go along with with that. So with oxygen, I always suggest Um, You know, the tubing comes in different lengths. So I always suggest using the shortest length that is appropriate for you. Um, If it's too long, it can be stretched out across the floor, can again cause risk for falls by tripping over it. Also with oxygen, you know, it's a dangerous thing if you're smoking. Um, It can be a fire hazard. 
Um, so it's very important to separate those two. Probably also maybe recommend um, not using um, petroleum, like with um, chapstick, certain stuff like that close to the lips or around the nose. I have never, I've never heard of that before. That is, yeah, I've never heard of that. Wow. Learn something new every day. Uh, speaking of like the, the tripping hazards and, and things to watch out for, is that something that I imagine you, you want to do and, and do early, right? Do you start to notice, like, I, I imagine that, you know, once you have a fall, of course, that's the time to go through and do all of that. But I'm, you all probably do that when you're going into the facilities or in the homes, uh, you're watching for that stuff, right? Is that, is that what you're doing when you're kind of assessing and people maybe probably can do that too, right? Like, even though maybe there's not been a, you know, a sort of a big event yet, right? Like to be prepared for that. Absolutely. The first thing, you know, the first visit that we make to the home, we're assessing things like that safety, you know, precautions and, and providing education on those types of things. Um, so hopefully we can prevent those falls instead of, of having them and then having to go back and, and look for those safety things afterwards. And the same thing in the facilities, you know, each visit that we make, we're looking for those different things and fixing what we can or having the staff there to help us fix what we can. So another thing that goes along with um, elderly and especially fragile or sick patients um, is medication and they're on a lot of controlled medications or thing that might be harmful to children or other people in the home. So what do you guys recommend or tips and tricks on how to keep those safe, how to keep the patient safe and everyone around them? So a lockbox is always a good idea if you have narcotics in the home or small children in the home that could get a hold of those medications. As far as like taking the right medications at the right time, a pill planner is always a good idea. Um, you know, at the beginning of the week, the caregiver can set aside a time and, and fill those pill planners and make sure that everything's in the right times and the right days that they're supposed to be. Um, another thing that we use is a medication log. There's medicines that are, you know, only taken as needed. You can write those down when you're having to give them. And that gives, you know, your care team a, a better idea of what you're requiring through the week. And, you know, it just keeps your family um, kind of in the loop of, of what medicines are being given, especially if you have more than one person that's handling that. It kind of, you know, ties it all in together and keeps everybody in the loop. Well, and I imagine in, in certain cases, that can be one of the more confusing things is when you take medicine, I, I think there is a healthy um, fear of not wanting to take wrong medicines at wrong times or, or too much of medicine, right? Depending on the medication. And I can imagine that that even creates some anxiety amongst family members and caregivers, right? Because the last thing that they want to do is um, hurt their loved one uh, by administration of medication. Absolutely. So I guess this will be my last question on sort of the moving around stuff, because I can imagine that that is one of the more challenging tasks, right? I can just imagine, you know, going into, you know, a loved one's home and having to sort of arrange things so that it's safe and is, um, makes it easier, right? That, that, that can be a, a stressful thing. 
when people are trying to, there's, I know that there are pieces of equipment and stuff that help people, right? Like, you know, you talk about shower chairs and, um, you know, grab bars and things like that. Are those things that you work with, with patients on moving themselves if they can, if they have the ability? And can you talk a little bit about that? So if, if they need a walker, that would help them to um, go to like the bathroom. If they are unable to actually walk to the bathroom, we have like the best I commodes. So that could be transferred from the bed straight to the best I commode. If they are unable to bear weight at all and they um, are unable to have like a two person assist, we have what they call it is a Hoyer lift, which is a device that actually lifts the patient up and then can be moved and put into a wheelchair. Shower chairs. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very taxing on the elderly, fragile patients to stand in a shower for an extended period of time. Um, so we have shower chairs. We have tub benches. Um, they have um, benches that kind of extend from the um, bathtub outside so they can sit down and just slide over. Um, those come in really handy for patients who still want to get into the shower. You know, we also have like um, gate belts that is really handy for um, for moving a patient. If you're doing it by yourself, instead of holding on to someone's arms, you can hold on to what we call a gate belt, which is um, very handy when you're doing a transfer. Something else, if you're um, trying to help a patient to move, you want to make sure that you're using correct body mechanics and, and not harming yourself. Um, you know, lift with your legs, not your back. Our backs are fragile parts of our body, and um, you definitely don't want to cause any harm to your own body. I think that's great and something very important to remember because you see all too often that the caregiver ends up hurting themselves trying to help the the other person. Um, so we've talked a lot about how to move and navigate throughout the house, but there's also concerns of when a, someone is bedbound um, and kind of a concerns for wounds and things like that that we have. So can you talk about that and then some of the ways to help prevent that or manage that? Sure. So um, the most important thing when a patient is bed bound is keep them turned and repositioned. People have a a thought that um, a bed sore is what these wounds are called. And most of the time it's not actually a bed sore. It's just from keeping pressure in one spot for too long and actually patients get those more often from sitting up in a wheelchair for too long versus laying in the bed for too long because they can be repositioned in the bed more so than they can in the wheelchair um you know just reposition one side to the other make sure that you're watching out for any red areas on their skin um if you notice a red area keep extra check on it and make sure that you know it's not changing in any way keep the pressure off that area and also, I was going to add when they're in the bed is um, if they have a pad or a draw sheet underneath them for a um, person t- that you can actually turn a patient so much easier if you're if you're in the home or in the nursing home by yourself, keeping them turned more often and repositioned with pillows. I imagine that that especially, you know, it, it's probably a little bit easier when you're dealing with like a hospital type bed right? That, that lifts up and down. I imagine that bed positioning can be a challenge if you don't have something like that. Is that, is that right? 
It is right. Um, with the hospital beds, they lift up and down, which again can help with the caregiver um, not harming their own self, trying to turn or reposition a patient. But, you know, in the homes, we do have people who want to remain in their own beds and they have a king size bed. So we have to, you know, make that work to get a, you know, internal reposition and the hospital beds are smaller. So it's easier in the hospital beds, the head lifts up, the feet lift up, um, you know, so that even that little bit of movement could change position enough to prevent skin breakdown in some circumstances. And I know we're talking about patients and we mentioned earlier about the caregiver safely moving them, but the other person's safety and well-being we keep in mind is the caregiver themselves. So can you guys talk about the importance of, of that? So I always say, you know, our number one priority is to take care of the patient, but we also have to remember to take care of ourselves. Self-care is very, very important. Um, there are services out in the community that provide, you know, um, sitters and, and things to help the caregiver just have a break and take care of yourself because the last thing you want is your caregiver to also get sick or down and unable to care for the patient. Is that, um, you, you talked about the resources that there are, there are also resources in terms of some of the helpful things that you talked about. You said things like Hoyer lift and a, and a gate belt. I think I heard, right. There are, there are resources in the community where people can get those as well. Right. I know that we use those in our work, but, but people who aren't using our services have access to that type of stuff as well, correct? Yeah, some of the things um, I think you have to have a doctor's prescription for, um, but they're carried at most of the pharmacies or like a medical supply store. I think they're pretty easily accessible. If people have um, questions or concerns about either how they're doing something or uh, decline if, if they're um, starting to notice it in a loved one that they are taking care of. Who do you recommend that they talk to and who can they reach out to for guidance? I would always recommend starting with your attending physician. Um, and most of the time they can guide you in the right direction um, to whether you, you know, you may be ready for hospice care or home health services. Um, but there's always somebody out there that can help you, but I would recommend starting with your attending physician. In the work Emily and I do, and then, you know, in this podcast, we've interviewed people that have talked about uh, things such as advanced directives and planning, um, you know, sort of materialistically, right? And, and also planning for the type of care you want um, to be done. But I think sometimes we overlook how that actually works. And that can be very, very stressful for people who sometimes I talk to people that have done it 24 seven, right? They've been the primary caregiver for their loved one. And that is so stressful. And I think it's important that we talk about maybe uh, certain ways that they can help to keep themselves um, feeling more comfortable and not as stressed and maxed out in situations like that. Again, we know with home health services, they offer CNAs that come into the house to help with bathing, um, nurse to come into the house to help with wound care, or just generalized nursing issues. Um, with hospice, we offer, you know, nursing care, CNAs to come out and help social workers, volunteers to come out and spend time with the patients. So I appreciate that you all took the time to come out 
uh, today and uh, you know speak on our podcast. And you all do this work um, day in and day out for our patients and uh, specifically. And I, we wanted to bring this so that um, you know, for those that weren't under our care could have something to turn to. And um, I'd like to ask just sort of if each of you can kind of talk about how long you've been doing this and uh, working here at hospice and uh, sort of, uh, we didn't talk about this before, so I'll, I'll give you the time here, but uh, sort of what you, what satisfies you and, and, and you get the most satisfaction and joy out of working here. So I have been a nurse with Hospice of Davidson for four years, actually coming up in July. Um, I enjoy what I do very much. Um, People always say, I don't see how you can do that job. But for me, it's very rewarding because um, I'm the one that gets to go in and spend time with these families and help to comfort their loved ones and make sure that they're comfortable, whether it be in the home or in the facilities. Um, that's the best part of my job is getting to spend time with these families and just, you know, being a positive presence in such a a time that could be emotional and um, a sad time, you know, try to bring positivity into it and and comfort. I've been with hospice for 15 years and um, I love my job. It's um, when I wake up in the mornings, I can't wait. It's an adventure. It's rewarding. Um, I love taking care of people. It's um, I'm like Megan. People ask, "How do you do your job?" But um, it's it's an it's an amazing adventure. It's an adventure every single day. Well, we really appreciate you guys. So thank you for what you do and for coming on and talking about all that. Thank you. If you uh, have any questions or uh, anything you want to hear on the podcast, you can always email us at podcast at hospice of davidson.org. Um, if you like what you heard, please rate, review, subscribe. We're still putting these out every other week. And uh, you can check out our website, hospiceofdavidson.org, uh, for more information.